Hey, Sam. Hey, Luke. What's, uh, what's wrong, buddy? I just watched the hit 2004 film Troy starring Brad Pitt and Eric Bana, but I don't know if it's accurate at all. Hey, we've all been there, friend. This has you pretty messed up, huh? Well, I have good news for you. Ah! Jesus! I'm a doctor. Of medicine? Even better, classics. And I have all the answers for your burning questions about myths, ancient Greco-Roman history, and the movies. Where can we get this incredible medicine? Over on the podcast, Greased Lightning. It's on all your favorite podcatchers. It will be the sweet ambrosia of the gods. New episodes every other Monday. Two words to me in three years of Bret Hart So a quick programming note here, folks. Um, I'm sort of working this weekend, uh, kind of an on-call situation almost. So you may hear my phone buzz, uh, and that's not unprofessionalism, folks. That's, if anything, ultra-professionalism. <laughs> because I'm performing two jobs at the same time. So don't get mad if you hear the phone buzz. That's just me being more of a professional than anyone else. So just... Just ignore it. Listen to the goofs. Hallo und willkommen zurück bei Hansi Panksy, einem Podcast, in dem sich zwei dumme, idiotische, beste Freunde, Geist, Körper und Seele, mit dem gefilmten Reisebericht eines Hausbootgebundenen Tom Hanks fühlen. Ich bin Sam Siegel und einer dieser dummen Idioten. Äh... <lacht> uh and ich bin Luke Patrick, uh, your Seattle relationship radio advice uh, expert. Uh, Geburtstag, Sam. Diese Wochen haben wir 1993 schlaflos in Seattle gesehen. And Luke, how was your watch? <laughs> My dude, uh, it was pretty good. I'm loving that intro. And we're going to have to explain why you just went full German. Um, yeah, yeah. But we'll get to that in a second. We'll talk about that for your watch. <laughs> My dude, compared to last week's debacle, I finally had a solid-ass watch. And for the first time ever, I did not go into the lab by myself to do this research. I did have uh, people with me as we spelunked down into the cave, both my wife and my guests that's staying with us here in quarantine. Uh, we all consumed this movie together, for better or for worse. And my dude... What a fucking difference it makes. I'm extremely jealous of the fact that you've been watching these over the last 16 weeks or so. Uh, for the most part with Kenna, I think that the backup is <laughs> extremely important now that I've done it. Luke, I, I can't tell you how happy I am to hear that A, you had a better watch than last time, which granted the threshold was pretty low. But, yeah. um, but still, you know, you earned a good watch. And two, I'm so happy you had company. Yeah. I feel like... This one needs it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for those uh, that don't really remember last week's episode, my previous watch was alone in the dark on a laptop, headphones on while everybody else in my house had gone to bed. So kind of a like polar swap here. And uh, yeah. my dude, super good. But how is your watch, 
Sam Siegel. Okay, uh, maybe now is the time to explain the German. I have seen Sleepless in Seattle approximately one time before this. However, it was in German class, so the entire movie was in German. <laughs> uh, which I feel doesn't count because I may have seen Tom Hanks, but I didn't hear Tom Hanks. <laughs> and half a Hanks might as well be no Hanks at all uh, yeah. in my book. So, um, so yeah, this was my first time really seeing Sleepless in Seattle as opposed to Schlaflos in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, Herr Siegel. I'm very glad you saw it in English, um, but I think the intro was, was bang on. Hopefully that appeals to some people in our audience and is not utterly mystifying for a minute and a half. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I'll, so l- uh, let me explain. I don't, I don't like uh, rom-coms. Mm-hmm. I'm just not a, not a fan. Um, and Kenna, who did watch the movie with me once again this week, nice. um, really is. So I decided I am going to make as good a faith of an effort as I possibly can. So before we watch the movie, I picked Kenna's brain to figure out, uh, like some sort of alien invader, <laughs> what she likes about romantic comedies. Yeah. Man, I'm loving that dissection. It's like movie foreplay, but extremely clinical. Yeah, it was it was an act of pure insanity because I sat down with my wife and said, Hey, why do you like romantic comedies? Explain to me how I can enjoy this. <laughs> well, I have a question for you, sir, because here's my uh-huh. situation, which is that much like your, your dear wife, I too very much enjoy rom-coms, but I will tell you the last note I have on my sheet here is I hated it with an exclamation point. So did it work at all? No, no, it didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> not, not even a little. I, I really tried to get in that headspace, and we could talk about this a little bit more. Sure. But, but, but otherwise, you know, it was a pretty standard watch over a, a plate of just really spectacular nachos. I, I do feel like maybe I got into the headspace a little better. Nice. But it did not pay dividends in terms of my enjoyment of the movie. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what I'm saying. And I want to talk about this more in our review section. But uh, even as a fan of the genre, this one was... Uh, I got some issues with it that totally sucked me out of that headspace. And I think yeah. we'll have some some comparable notes. <laughs> oh, that. yeah, absolutely. I do need to know, Luke, this week, did you miss Thomas Hanks? Hmm... You know, I didn't up until the last minute when it was confirmed that I would not be descending into the cave alone with just a flashlight, which was my laptop to take care of me. (laughs) And at that point, I did get excited to have a nice little uh, moment with my my housemates and enjoy this. But uh, I got to tell you, man, it was a bleak, ungodly picture before that. Uh, Just a total wasteland where I was very far away from Tom Hanks by choice running through a desert. It was pretty pretty gnarly, but then all of a sudden things were things were fine. So I was pretty good. How about you, man? I don't know. I flat out don't know anymore. Um, Tom and I, I think, are on sort of rocky shores right now. Mm. Uh, the relationships on the rocks. We were doing really well. It was hot and heavy early on, Luke. Let me sure. tell you. Yeah, yeah. But now, now you know he's he's not done anything nice for me lately. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he's he's sort of absent. As both a partner and a lover. Sure. And 
I just don't know if I miss him. <laughs> and and I don't know what this means for our relationship going forward because I have essentially signed a contract with Tom Hanks saying that he and I cannot leave each other for another, what, you clocked it at 50 weeks? Yeah, and to that point, actually, I had a conversation with a coworker earlier this week where I expressed the fact that we cannot bail because nobody wants to listen to the podcast of two guys that watched 16 of Tom Hanks movies. We no. have to do this all the way through or else what is the point? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think if we stopped anything short of all the way done, yeah, uh, this is just going to be the most depressing expression of futility. Um, so yeah. we got to see it through. Otherwise, it's meaningless. It, all this yeah. time will have been wasted. It's totally self-invalidating if we give up at any point. Um, well, yeah. to pull the ripcord and get us out of that. Yeah, holy um, shit. <laughs> I guess what you're saying, Sam, is that uh, absence makes the uh, heart grow fonder. And one week of absence was not quite enough for your heart this week. No, I don't think so. <laughs> totally fair, my dude. But let's talk about Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. Do you want that plot breakdown? Yeah, please. Sure. So this one's actually pretty simple. Uh, so to give you Luke Patrick's patented three-act structure, your money-back guarantee, sleepless in Seattle, which in German, one more time, Sam, was... Uh, Schlaflos in Seattle. <laughs> Schlaflos in Seattle. <laughs> Too many uh, potential German listeners. Uh, you know, I, I will clarify that I am, at le- I am half German, so I'm right there with you in whatever it is that I'm experiencing from Sam's... Uh, Seems riffage this week. Um, yeah, so basically the first act of this movie is that we are introduced to two different people. It begins with Tom Hanks, who is the recent widower. They talk about this mm-hmm. in the movie. That's the correct term, right? Widower? Yes. A recent widower. So he and his son, who's the same kid from the Santa Claus. So that's fun. Um, is he? Yeah, dude. Oh, shit. Yeah, classic 1994 casting with that with that kid. Oh. Um so they're they're at a tombstone in a cemetery. Uh, it's established that they're both very sad and that they moved to Seattle. Rita Wilson is in this briefly as his sister. Pretty cool. And he moves to Seattle. Then we just ricochet all the way back across the country to Baltimore to be introduced to Meg Ryan's character, who is in a relationship with a guy named Walter, who is uh, allergic to stuff. And that's kind of mm-hmm. his only real fault. Otherwise, yeah. he's a pretty phenomenal dude. We'll talk about that. But the question is set up because uh, his kid calls into a radio show essentially to get him laid. Uh, it calls into a, a radio help show for romance, basically saying, hey, my dad's super sad. Uh, and then Tom Hanks says some sweet stuff on air. And uh, ladies of the United States go absolutely buck wild for this. And Boy, they really do. A lot of fan mail. So most of Act One is Meg Ryan having heard this conversation over the holidays uh, and then reevaluating her relationship with Walter uh, Thomas is kind of doing his thing for most of Acts 1 and 2, whilst Meg Ryan in Act 2 uh, becomes kind of obsessed with this sleepless in Seattle character from the radio, has him stalked uh, through a mm-hmm. background check and a private investigator, uh, goes to Seattle to stand creepily outside of his house and then across the street from him while he's at the beach with his sister and kid. Um, yeah. His kid connives for them to meet because she writes him a letter saying she'd like to meet him in New York at the Empire State Building. Um, like that Cary Grant movie that I don't remember the name of. That's essentially X one and two, and then we wrap it up real quick in Act three, where uh, 
his kid runs away to New York, the inverse of a Home Alone situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes to the Empire State Building. Tom chases after him. She breaks up with Walter, who is so chill with this. Very chill. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. And then, uh, you know, through a series of mishaps, eventually they do meet. And uh, Bob's your uncle, dude. That's the the entire movie, minus a few, like, side characters and stuff. Essentially, it's slow burn. And, dude, I clocked it exactly. It is 57 minutes into this movie before Tom is even aware of her existence. And it's an hour and six minutes before he ever sees her for the first time. shit. Yeah. So on that note... What'd you think of this one, my guy? Uh, can can I just just tease you just a little longer with my review? Mm-hmm. Um, to to I'm very sorry, shitting your cereal a little. Mm. That kid was not in the Santa Claus. Oh no, no, that's he looks a ex- kid. He looks exactly the same. Do I just think all kids look the same? Am I kiddest? Yeah, I think so. Oh, uh, this kid was in Kindergarten Cop. Uh, but but he wasn't in the Santa Claus. Well, it's important to you know recognize your own internal biases, and uh, <laughs> you know I've learned I've learned a thing today. I definitely uh, cast that kid in a direction he didn't go. So I appreciate the the heads up on that. Hey, you know at least you didn't do what I did and refer to that kid by the wrong name for two whole episodes of a podcast. Yeah. Uh, yep. 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 Thinking so. of uh, Ricky Dalton. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember. (laughs) Ricky Butler, was that his real name? No, that was the one you insist is his real name, Sam. You have learned nothing. (laughs) God damn it. Anyway. Yeah, the movie sucks. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this for it. It's well-structured, and it has a lot of the good rom-com bits, but there's just a continuous series of sucker punches that have fully removed my suspension of disbelief. Would you say it's fair... To have categorized what she does as full-on stalking slash prowling? Oh, 100%. Uh, Most of this movie is Meg Ryan stalking Tom Hanks so that she can kind of figure out how to cheat on her fiancé. Mm-hmm. That's the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, they literally, aside from a single glance across the road in Seattle, when she fucking flies there to Mm -hmm. stalk him in person, they have no interaction Outside no. of the final two minutes of this movie atop the Empire State Building. And so that was, I think, a central issue with the movie because, and look, I am no um, romantic comedy aficionado, mm-hmm. sure. but I think rom-coms are supposed to have some amount of time with the couple together. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So that you can finally, like, bust your nut emotionally. Yeah. And, uh, and, and enjoy them being together. And that does not happen yeah dude i was excited to to bust my proverbial emotional nut with this one probably as kenna was too like you want the slow burn of their interactions Mm -hmm. throughout the movie will they won't they and then a big fight of some kind in the end of act two and then that Mm -hmm. sweet sweet makeup in act three yeah man and in this case (laughs) we got the golden state killer slash the empire (laughs) state building at the end yeah, it's it's so anticlimactic because mm-hmm. it's it the whole movie is build up, uh, which is supremely creepy. Yeah, and then to like hand holding. There's mm-hmm. not even a kiss actually. Now that I think of it. Oh yeah, they just hold hands and credits. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And hey, speaking of this ending, what did you think mm-hmm. of Walter's reaction when Meg Ryan says that? 
she she wants to break up because there's a radio guy that she's very interested in. What a stand-up guy. Mm-hmm. Because he's just like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> you, you gotta go do it. Yeah. You gotta go do it. Chase that bliss. Yeah. Man, fucking Bill Pullman, two movies in a row now, has has gotten dog shit roles mm-hmm. uh, and and pulls them off with a plum. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't even break a sweat. He's just like, oh, okay, yeah, I want you to be happy. And he says the one like the sweetest, the most genuinely sweet part of this movie, if you're looking for rom-com hits, is like when he says the thing about, well, who'd want to start a marriage with that kind of emotional instability? Like, if that's how you're feeling, fucking chase that bliss, yo. And that is, he makes the most sense out of literally anybody in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no human in this movie makes any sense except weirdly Bill Pullman who does I just want to note spends 99% of the movie going oh, I'm allergic to that can I, oh. yeah can I get a couple oh. more of those for the I listeners can't. at home I'm allergic to that and that's that's the whole flick for Bill Pullman yeah. it's that and then hey chase your bliss baby you know yeah. you gotta do what you wanna do we can end this I did say that his pre-bedtime routine is pretty bleak. Hey, did it grow throughout the movie? Because I swear to God, earlier mm-hmm. in the movie, he just had like the tissue. And then later on, it's basically like a ventilator. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was just me not paying enough attention. No, much like uh, Tribbles, his various apparatus and uh, you know pre-bed <laughs> ritual items continue to grow throughout this so by the end he's essentially they're in a very comfy looking bed just surrounded by a walgreens uh yes. of stuff yeah it did look comfortable though bleak you know on a domestic front but pretty darn comfy Mm-hmm. but yeah no other character in the movie makes uh, a lick of sense mm-hmm. um there's there's meg who again just like a five alarm stalker mm-hmm. um yeah. rosie o'donnell who two movies in a row rosie o'donnell but like is just like yeah stalk that man (laughs) i have a theory about this oh if you'd like to hear it it is not a conspiracy corner but it's adjacent okay okay yeah hit me so we've been watching a lot of hannibal uh (laughs) okay which is a fantastic show i'm loving this segue (laughs) so my theory about rosie o'donnell is that she's hannibaling Meg Ryan, in the sense that (laughs) his whole thing is that he pushes buttons to break down your psyche to get you to commit horrible things in the name of therapy. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, Luke. Oh, my God. This is so good. Because throughout the movie, she's like, is it crazy if I go stalk this guy in Seattle? And she's like, no. This is perfectly therapeutic. You should 100% do that. Here's a knife. Like, I don't know. I get that vibe. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Fuck. First of all, extremely plausible, if not essentially proven just Mm now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second of all, holy shit, Luke. (laughs) I think you have to apologize to Rosie O'Donnell now. Oh, yeah. I mean, she played the character to perfection. I think they just never, they had to cut that storyline for either financial or time reasons but i'm pretty sure there were some scenes where she uh you know asked her to visualize the violence and uh what it would be like to be excited 
licking his his window cells. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. So yeah, that's Rosie O'Donnell's character. Um, I I just have to talk about like break these characters down. Uh, like uh, Meg Ryan's whole family is uh, batshit. Oh yes, 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 uh, yes. So so there's David Hyde Pierce who's just playing like appetizer Niles, and and he barely exists in the movie though. I adored him while he was in it. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. And and his whole thing, he says like later on that his his now wife betty said we had to get married or break up so they got married and then he disses seattle a little bit Mm -hmm. do you think it was Um, cathartic as niles crane for him to sort of uh you know dunk on seattle a little bit i would have luke except and this will be a semi-recurring segment Mm. for the imdb fracks Brought to you by McKenna. Mmm, love it. Because throughout this movie, because McKenna is not beholden to the laws that we have created for ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. She looks through IMDb and sprinkles in IMDb facts as mm. we watch the movie. And this was pre Frasier. What? Seriously? Yeah. 94? Mm-hmm. Uh, 93, but yeah. Whoa, I totally thought this was post because he's straight up Niles Crane. Am I crazy? Yeah, no, he is 100% Niles Crane. He is the amuse-bouche of <laughs> Niles Crane. <laughs> Holy shit, that's insane. Because not only does he play to the same rhythms, and of course David Hyde Pierce sells every goddamn line he has because he's a phenomenal human being and actor. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he even gets a little bit psychiatric when he's talking yeah. about marriage. Yeah, he like, does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when Kenna dropped the IMDb fact brought to you oh. by McKenna. Man, you gotta love those Kenna bombs right there. That's... Oh, it's great. So earlier in the movie, when Meg Ryan goes to meet with Rosie O'Donnell and those two shitty men, one mm-hmm. of whom was Kenny. Don't yes. know if you noticed that. The actual Kenny this time, not yeah. the fake Kenny like Bonfire. I have a note of how many people from Frasier are in this, but apparently this was pre Frasier. Yeah. So um, while she's walking in, there's a guy talking about like, He's like on the phone and he's like, yeah, I know he's an asshole, but the be- he's got the best soup in New York. Mm-hmm. That is, Luke, that is a pre-Seinfeld reference to the soup <laughs> Nazi. <laughs> wow. So you've discovered through Kenneth's uh, IMDb fact bombs that this is a unique confluence of several different zeitgeisty things mm-hmm. that would then be fully birthed through other 90s sitcoms. Yes. Mm, I love it. Do you want the last Ken effect? Oh, uh, I am so horny for that one. Please, please lay it on me. Okay, so when Rita Wilson and her husband are uh, hanging out with Tom and talking about some bullshit, I don't know, Rita Wilson's talking about like that Cary Grant movie, I think, and she's crying and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which, God, I love seeing Rita Wilson mm, now. Yeah. But sh- she talks about that, and then Tom and Rita's fake husband... Um, are crying and talking about the Dirty Dozen? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That that scene, Luke, improvised. Damn, dude. See, this is mm-hmm. what you get when you bring a class professional on board like Victor Garber into your scene. That's that's what you're going to get with old Victor. Yeah. Uh, mm. Just, it was a primo scene. Yeah, I will say that the scene made my blood boil, and I'm, I'm curious if y'all had the same reaction to this. Yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't spectacular. 
Um, Again, you know, we're not done being shitty to women. Yeah. So for Uh, the listeners at home, this is an angle on these 90s, not sitcoms, these 90s rom-coms that I had kind of forgotten about because we are going to take some deep, long, heavy baths into gender roles Mm -hmm. and kind of, uh, you know, what's the difference between men and women? We're going to get oh a lot of that, y'all. So. Yeah. (laughs) But. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Does Jonah suck? Hey, I have I went on a full journey with Jonah that I would be so happy to tell you about. Oh, uh, yeah. Let me hear it. So basically, at the beginning of this movie, pre-knowing that Meg Ryan exists, so within the first hour of the movie, I was convinced that Jonah is the coolest fucking kid on the planet. Right? Yes. Because he's in his room. He's got this dope chair. He's got a girlfriend who's also fantastic. He's like mm-hmm. eight. So my joke was that he had actually given Tom Hanks the sex talk. And then when he encourages him to date again, he's like, hey, dad, I showed you how to use condoms. You got this, man. Be cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, like, he's such a fucking cool kid early on. And, like, emotionally sensitive, too, because he calls Mm -hmm. into the the, uh, psychologist show, which, again, sort of in a moose-boost Fraser. Yeah. And, uh, And, like, is all about... You know, like, oh, you know, I'm just really concerned about my dad and I want my dad to be happy and like all this shit. And like, you know, like he's really like doing this for his dad. And it's yeah. a super cool kid. Yeah. And, and then, then uh, <laughs> yeah, walk us through the rest of it. So then Tom Hanks gets a girlfriend and the kid goes, no, not that woman, a different woman who wrote a letter to you. Mm-hmm. And then he just acts like a complete shit to this woman because she's not the one who wrote him a letter. Yeah. Um, and fully stalked Tom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he like <laughs> fucking scares the absolute shit out of Tom by leaving on a flight pretending to be a 12 year old, which really seems like they shouldn't allow just 12 year olds to fly alone. But that's yeah. a different story. You're splitting Fuck hairs. You, United Airlines. Yep. And then. And then he's like, Dad, I'm in New York, and makes his dad go to the, to the fucking Empire State Building, scares the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. And, and then, like, finally, uh, Meg Ryan shows up, and then he's like, I won. <laughs> yeah, it's a total tonal flip away from this kid who, as I described him at the time, is all about chief and blunts and dating babes to yeah. this, like, again, inverse Home Alone, just, like, kind of sociopathic. Just lying ass little creepy kid. Yeah, yeah. No, he went from like a cool, like vaping, sweet ass <laughs> kickflip kid yeah. to like a men's rights activist. Yeah. Oh, 100%. This kid's going to need some serious therapy. I will say that his quote unquote girlfriend, who is also a kid, uh, is dope as hell. She knows how to order plane tickets with like a Windows DOS system. Mm hmm. Oh, that yeah. No, cool. she's. She's fucking legit. Mm-hmm. Let's see. There was one other thing that I wanted to bring up. Yeah, let's talk about Dr. Marsha fuck Redfield or whatever. Yeah, Fieldston. I don't know. Field, something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Because she had a similar arc of being pretty legit and then fucking terrible because no one in this movie makes sense. Because, Luke, I don't know if you caught it, but later on they were like, and we're playing the best hits of Dr. Marsha Field fuck. <laughs> and Marsha dogging <laughs> and uh and it's like a couple different callers and and then Tom like mm-hmm. the little snippet of Tom but the caller before Tom was a woman who was like 
right before I have or- an orgasm, the guy I'm fucking leaves to make a sandwich. And Dr. Marsha Fieldfucker mm-hmm. says, why don't you make him a sandwich before you fuck? Mm-hmm. And hey, Marsha, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> lady, I'm here to tell you, fictional lady, fictional psychologist me. Yeah, yeah. I'm here to tell you, don't fuck that man. Yeah, maybe. Don't make him a sandwich. <laughs> the issue isn't that he got hungry. It's that he doesn't give a shit about your pleasure. Go find you a man who will make you come. Yeah, and even if there is a hunger factor that's inhibiting performance, he can become his own sandwich artist. Yeah, he could be like, hey, turns out I get I get real hungry when, <laughs> when we're rooting like pigs. So I I gotta nab, you know, like a like a cliff bar before this. <laughs> like, you don't wanna be with a man who's like, no, nah, I'm gonna need you to slap together a sandwich before we get down to clowning. Yeah. I mean he he knows bananas exist. He's a grown ass man. He should be focused on your pleasure. So you know what, Sam? I would call into your radio show. I feel like that's some solid ass advice. I appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, real quick question for you. Uh huh. As a fan of everything but rom coms, given that this is mm-hmm. this is not your steed, yeah, what did you think of this one? Did it hit any emotional high points for you? None. Mm, you hate to hear it. Yeah it it did not like there were times where it was genuinely funny. Mm-hmm. I'll give it that. I I had some. I enjoyed parts of it. Yeah. But at no point did it like tug the heartstrings. Sure. Sure. I will say that uh, the the initial setup is still pretty solid. You know, being a widower uh, has some. There's some meat on those bones. Yeah, though I'll say in 2020, uh, the first line of a movie being "Mommy got sick," <laughs> fucking sucks. <laughs> well, I have to find a new final quote. Um, oh, I'm sorry. So <laughs> the final uh, quote was gonna be "Mommy got sick," and it happened like that, which is the first line of this goddamn movie. Yeah. It opens up. I don't even think the the like scene has fully opened up before it's Tom going, "Mommy got sick," mm-hmm. and I'm like, Ugh, "Oh no, yeah. yeah, man!" And it's also like beyond fridging. This is like an ice age uh, with the concept of fridging. We have fully stored her in some permafrost thirty thousand years ago. His wife. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. I did. I did want to bring up. Uh, a handful of points. Yeah, man, hit him. Hit me rapid fire. I'm so ready for this. Okay, one. I this is less a question, more just a comment. Mm-hmm. I think Meg Ryan's family comes from a long line of stars in romantic comedies mm. because every time they describe how they met their partner, it sounds like a scene from a different romantic comedy. <laughs> and I think the movie backs this up. Because a museum of some sort wanted Meg's grandmother's wedding dress. Mm. Because I think she was a famous romantic comedy starlet. Right. Who lived a real romantic comedy. And the Smithsonian was like, we need that dress. That is a cultural icon. Yeah. And Meg Ryan's mom said, no, fuck you. I need it for my daughter's romantic comedy. (laughs) I think you're onto something. Because literally nobody has a story like, well... We are both at the VFW, and there she was. <laughs> exactly. So, point number two. How does Meg Ryan not crash her vehicle nonstop throughout this movie? Because she never looks at the road. Yeah, sticking with the idea that she's bordering on sociopathy. She is 
beyond distracted and or completely fine with endangering literally everybody on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not a comment on her her as a female driver. She is like weeping against her steering wheel and just yeah. not driving. She's not even doing that part of it. No. Or when she's in Seattle and stalking Tom while he's in a boat with his shitty son. Mm-hmm. She's just driving on a bridge, not looking at the road at all, and just locked in on yeah. Tom in that boat. Yeah, maybe, you know, as part of her diagnosis, she also fully steps into traffic. And then she does. Not only that, but then a truck almost hits her, and her first reaction is not to then get out of the goddamn road. It's just to step back into more oncoming traffic. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's just like, oh, I need to be in a different part of this busy road. Yeah, it's horrifying. Two. Uh, here's here's uh, point number two or three. I lost count yeah, already. Yeah, you did, you did too, but we'll let it slide this time. Okay. In the movie, Tom Hanks thinks tiramisu mm. is a sex act. What is the sex act? I have really bad news for you. Oh, no. Which is that we thought the same thing, and we did our homework. Oh, and, no. And uh, it may genuinely be too rough for this podcast. So if anybody is interested, there is a sex act for the tiramisu. Essentially, it is an upper decker plus some cream left uh, in your bed. Oh, oh no. Luke, you're going to have to bleep that out. <laughs> it's not good. Oh, no. I don't. I wish I hadn't heard it. Luke, you have to bleep it. You got to bleep that. No one it, needs to hear. Yeah. I do hate editing these things in depth, so <laughs> we'll see yeah, where well, we end up. Okay. Um, uh, point number four. Where's Duluth? <laughs> Minnesota? See, I thought it was Iowa or Ohio. Mm, it did crack us up that continuously throughout this movie, Tom Hanks is a guy with a map because there are several moments where his kid is like <laughs> Baltimore and then he out of nowhere either pulls a globe or in one instance pulls down a map on his wall and is like, there, it's there. And then yeah. uh, you need a map. This guy's got you covered. Yeah. Yeah, no, this dude, he's got a map, and I do I do think there are reasons for that, mm. though this is not the place to talk about those reasons. Mm. Point number seven or something. <laughs> um, when Tom Hanks' girlfriend that Jonah hates because she didn't write him a letter, uh, she cooks some dinner, and Jonah, Tom is like, hey, th- thank her for cooking dinner, and he's like, yeah, thanks. I've never seen anyone cook potatoes that way before. Mm-hmm. Luke... How did she cook the potatoes? We are on some very similar brainwaves because I was extremely distressed by that statement and spent upwards of five minutes trying to decide how in the fuck she cooked potatoes that was distressing enough for the child to mention it. And Sam, I have nothing. Because surely he's come across mashed and fried before. Yeah. And certainly like baked. And boiled. or Baked and boiled. Peeled, sliced. I've, (sighs) I've got one contender. I wish you would tell me because I've genuinely put a distressing amount of thought into this. It would mean that she is an extremely well-accomplished chef because the only one I can think of that would be novel to a child mm-hmm. would be pomme soufflé. Oh. Yeah, I think she may have made a pomme soufflé. Mm. Um, which I frankly don't super duper remember the process of, but it's basically this like almost like 
par fried mashed potato mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, yeah. It's like very airy and 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 light and puffy, and it's like supposed to be like golden brown. So maybe. Yeah, man. But I, I think I don't know. That's a more pleasant read on it. I assumed that she was just doing some kinky stuff with potatoes, because God help us, I can't think of any other way that you would, uh, you know, make a dent in a kid's psyche with potatoes. Who the fuck knows? Can I hit you with one final kind of meatier question? Yeah, please do, and then I've actually got a question for you. Okay. Do you like Meg Ryan? In this movie, and with the previous movie where we saw her, which was Joe versus the Volcano, Sam, Mm -hmm. it's a big fat no. Yeah, I am really struggling with her mm-hmm. and also struggling because I I know she and Tom did a lot of movies and yeah. I can't figure out why. It's going to be interesting to see this relationship uh, grow because I have seen some of these other rom-coms and I think, you know, maybe we've just started on the wrong foot because there's no chemistry here because it's hard to have chemistry with your prowler. Um, <laughs> Very <so>. true. <laughs> I... If I can give her anything, I will say that in that final scene, I think she was the most likable and charming she had been Sure. Uh, in either of the two movies. It did require you to completely ignore the context mm-hmm. of the previous hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, it's it's been a rough putt for her the last couple movies. Um, I'm sure she's she herself is a lovely lady. She sold every part of this movie. Great acting. Just uh, a real asshole in this movie, if I'm honest, as far as the character goes. Oh, yeah. Real, real piece of shit. Amen. Well, I've got one final question for you, sir, if you're into it. Okay, sure. So at one point in the movie, uh, his son and his son's girlfriend send a letter to Annie, which is Meg Ryan's character. I'm amazed Mm -hmm. I remembered any name. And in this letter, this movie plays in the space of, like, texto. Do we have an English word for that? Like, text speak? Okay, yeah. 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 As in they have like acronyms for things. So she's like G and H, goodbye and hello or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. it's kind of weird because they're having to verbally explain things because there's not mobile phones at this point. But in the letter, she has the acronym MFEO, which I cannot actually remember what that means. Is it made for each other? Yes. Okay. So that's included in the letter. And Sam, I'm going to ask you, uh, what else could MFEO mean? Oh, okay. <laughs> I got one for you right off the bat if you want it. Uh, yeah, please. Yeah, so the one uh, that I'm most proud of is mini-fingered experimental orangutan. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have one. You would see it on the um, on the side of a package of mm-hmm. some sort of product, and that would be made from executed Oscars. <laughs> oh, that's totally what they meant. That is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, mostly fish except octopus. I went through a lot of these. Uh, I think you nailed it, though. That's what I was looking for. That hit the goof spot. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I do I so I had a weird moment at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this might be kind of like last week's too many teeth. Yeah. Um, I had a real minor uh, to moderate freakout mm-hmm. because. At the end of the movie, I looked at Tom's hair and kind of had the realization that is is most of our hair on the back of our head rather than the top? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I kind of <laughs> lost my shit a little bit because I've always thought most of it's up top and very little's on the back, but I looked at Tom's mm. hair for an hour and 45 minutes and Luke, I think there's more on the back than the top and I don't know what to do. <laughs> Man, I'm loving these uh, just stoner-esque realizations you're having. I think we've finally reached transcendent levels of watching Tom Hanks movies. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, buddy, it's hard to argue with you because I think that's accurate and now I too have to live with this knowledge as do all of our listeners. Yeah. And and one more, uh, really, if if that's all we've got left, mm-hmm. then I I gotta tell you, I this is a weird situation, but I I have to board United Flight Five Ninety Seven, which mm-hmm. in reality is actually a flight from San Francisco to Las Vegas and not Seattle to New York. Um, but I have to take that flight to get over to the Hanks Bank. Hmm. Okay. W- would you like to to take this extra ticket that I got? It oh. says you're twelve. Hell yeah, dude. I love being pampered on a flight. Get me that pen. All right. Let's go. Luke, mm-hmm. du musst jemandem im Radio hören <laughs> und ihn un- unerbittlich verfolgen. Es ist Zeit, mit mir in die Verschwörungsecke zu kommen. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm loving this. Yeah, you know, I'm going to bring some good German energy this week, apparently. Mm -hmm. Now, Luke, I didn't really expect much from this movie in conspiracy terms, but boy, did it prove me wrong. Well, I'm I for once, Sam, I actually have something major to contribute to this, but I want to save that nugget. Oh, God, you're going to tease me, you minx. Yeah, so I'm going to put on my aluminum foil bodysuit while you tell me about what you've discovered. Okay. Um, so, kind of midway through the movie, Tom is talking to his child. And, and his character is Sam Baldwin, and I do just want to make this abundantly clear. Sam Baldwin is every other Tom Hanks character as well as Tom Hanks himself. Mm-hmm. Sure. So Sam Baldwin does tell his son Jonah, kind of later in the movie, that... Uh, you need to, and I'm quoting, try on other, try other people on and mm-hmm. see how they fit. Mm-hmm. And Luke, that's not, that's not a relationship thing. That's because he's a lizard man wearing Josh Baskin's skin. <laughs> and he knows this from experience. He's tried on multiple people's skin and, uh, and he found the one that fit best. And that was Josh Baskin. An unfortunate man who just happened to look like what we know as Tom Hanks today. Sure. Um, and and was murdered by the lizard man who now inhabits that skin. Exactly. Nice, dude. And and here's the other thing. Tom recognizes Meg Ryan in this. Mm. Fully. Okay. Uh, the first time he sees her, he locks ah. in on her. And he says that like it was like deja vu seeing Meg. Yes. And he's experiencing that because he's seen Meg before in Joe versus the volcano. Mm. And I'm thinking maybe just maybe Tom has amnesia from his previous (laughs) roles. I'm not sure this is necessarily true because it does complicate him being a lizard person working for the Mossad to, to undermine and, and eventually defeat the resurgent fourth Reich. Sure. But he Something seems to have happened between Joe versus the volcano and now mm. that erased his memory somewhat 
of Meg Ryan. So so I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. But once again, there there is another connection to another Tom Hanks film. And Luke, I can't believe that this one keeps on giving, but it is actually every time we say goodbye <laughs> because Tom Hanks talks in this movie about how he doesn't really believe in God. And mm-hmm. Tom Hanks in every time we say goodbye does say that I think God has a lot to answer for. Yes. And these are two men who I do believe want to punch God. Yes. Plus, he talks about baseball kind of a lot in mm-hmm. this movie, in his deep mm-hmm. abiding love for baseball. Yeah. Yeah, that's... These are all the same Tom. Mm. And, and here's another bit. This Tom, as you noted before, has a lot of maps. Mm-hmm. And he's an architect. And I think he became an architect to get access to building plans. Mm. So he's got building plans, he's got maps, he know he's working on something, Luke, but I don't know what. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as before, as with last week's episode, I feel like you're cottoning on to some serious machinations here, but we, as mm-hmm. of yet, still don't know the final goal on this Yeah, Tom, Tom is keeping this secret from everyone, mm-hmm. okay? He's playing this one real close to the chest, and ladies and gentlemen, I don't think we're going to know about this one until it happens. Until it's too late. Hey, can I pile on to your conspiracy here? Uh, Luke, it would make me so proud of you if you would. Mm, so I actually have a quite a shocker to reveal to you, but before that, I wanted to point out that his wife, in the brief hallucination in which we see her, mm-hmm. does look kind of like Carrie Fisher. So is it possible that... <sighs> The Shit. his wife was in fact Carrie Fisher, known lizard person, and her passing for whatever uh, you know untoward reason is what created this amnesia in him, like the utter heartbreak of Holy losing his shit. immortal life partner. My God! Mm-hmm. Holy shit! <laughs> and do you think this plan is vengeance for whatever killed Carrie Fisher? Yes. Actually, I think we have the motive, people. There We've it is. We've got the motive. We just don't know the crime yet. Because, <laughs> folks, there's a lot of chatter out there. I'm picking yeah. up a lot of chatter from Tom cells of Tom Hanks. Yeah. But I don't know what their target is yet. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the last thing I have for you, Sam, is not a joke. This is a genuine part of the movie, and I'm very excited to hear that you didn't catch it because my guy... Holy shit, there's a scene when his kid is talking to him, and uh, Mm -hmm. he overhears Tom saying something about six or seven women in college. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, and so when his son hears that, he's like, well, I heard you say something about six or seven women in college. Tom retorts with eight, Mary Kelly. And Sam, do you know how many victims Jack the Ripper had? Oh, fuck. It's eight. Oh, fuck. Do you know who the last victim of Jack the Ripper was? Oh, no. It's Mary Kelly, my dude. Ah! Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> and folks, that is a genuine part of this movie, and I cannot oh see God. any other way that they meant to write that. They have very much implied that either he is Jack the Ripper or a very dedicated copycat. People of this podcast, you have heard it here first. Tom <laughs> Hanks, a... a an immortal lizard person working for Israel's Mossad <laughs> is also an undying man who is Jack the fucking Ripper. Mm-hmm. Holy I mean, shit. 
He came to this planet years, centuries ago, Luke. Mm-hmm. And he has been wearing different skin suits for so long. <laughs> Maybe he's he's responsible for all of history's greatest murderers. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I'm also loving the idea, too, that that was college, whatever that means to him. Yeah. Just that murdering was just people college for him. Holy shit. Maybe... Maybe lizard people are on a different sort of time scale. Mm-hmm. So sort of sort of like elves in fantasy scenarios. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so maybe that was college for him, but now he's he's at the crisp old age of like 400 or some shit mm-hmm. and he's like, "No, this is just adulthood." Holy shit, Tom Hanks is fucking Jack the Ripper. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, that's canon. I don't know how else to spin it for you, my my man. That is it's in the text, 100%. You cracked it. You cracked it. <laughs> Fuck. I'm so proud of you, Luke. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, man. This is uh, serious revelations on this week's Conspiracy oh, Corner. shit. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's, whew, let's try to <laughs> sort of cool down a little bit, get back into that nice, cool, calm pod- podcast zone. Yeah. And Luke, I'm, I'm going to bring something else for you here today, outside mm. of the Conspiracy Corner, of course. And, um... Again, you know, I I know you're out there in the West, uh, you know, Denver, Hollywood, Hollyweird. It's all the same place, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, for sure. I've got I've got what the people need in the year of our Lord 2020, <laughs> and that is Sleepless in Seattle 2, Never Sleeping. <laughs> well, I'm excited to run this by all of my producer and financier contacts, but Sam, I'm going to need some more information about what I can expect from Sleepless in Seattle 2, Never Sleeping. Okay, yeah, it, and it's a working title. I might actually want to go with Sleepless in Seattle 2, Not a Wink. Mm, but mm, um, hey, <laughs> Quick note, I think we're definitely going to change the title. That second run-through is yeah, pitch perfect. Yeah, it, it definitely needed a second pass. Um, so it picks up immediately after mm. the end of this movie. The film opens on Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks's. Uh, t- Tom Hanks hand in hand mm-hmm. on the Empire State Building, and they they head down and they work their way back to Seattle. But uh, a- after they they leave and go down in those elevator doors with that extremely old man, mm-hmm. it it cuts to Walter, mm. and Luke he's not cool as a cucumber. <laughs> You're saying that he's actually pretty bothered by all of this. Oh, he's angry. Mm. And he's he's not going to stop until he exacts his revenge. Mm, yes, yes, yes. And do you know what his first stop is? I do not, but I wish you would tell me. It's Baltimore mm. to take the Meg Ryan family heirloom romantic comedy dress. <laughs> and he's going to hold it hostage until he gets what he wants, which is Tom Hanks's head served up on a platter mm. because he will stop at nothing until Tom Hanks is dead. Yes. Hey, can we work in sort of a face-off type scenario where the fact that Tom Hanks is a known serial killer slash lizard person is worked into Fuck, the plot? yes. Kind of an alien yeah. predator type vibe as they square oh. off? Fuck yeah. I would love nothing more to see <laughs> Tom Hanks's sort of spy craft uh, acumen on display finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he's calling in support from Mossad finally. Maybe we see his lizard tongue flick out <laughs> and it, you see him blink and it goes to that weird like 
reptilian eye. Yeah, man. We because Walter has seen the true Tom. I right. think that's part of it. Is he knows who Tom Hanks is, and he's trying to save Meg Ryan, even though he is furious with her. Mm-hmm. But he's trying to save her. So it's sort of like Taken meets Father of the Bride. <laughs> <laughs> yes and i'm loving this angle of how it, it didn't start that way but it's gonna finish that way for yeah, walter yeah. walter just went in with a murderous goal a revenge plot in mind and then ended up uh you know saving meg ryan and the world and i would love a twist ending too at the end where uh you know meg ryan is also revealed as uh either a lizard person or a sociopath uh Ooh. maybe she leans into her full potential and uh pairs off That's... with one of our two chaps too complete That's some grisly something. deeds yeah Ooh. okay 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 i have it i have it mm-hmm. so let me let me flesh out the opening so so it starts meg and tom hand in hand going down in the elevator on the on the in the empire state building and then we speed over to walter still still at dinner kind of upset but you know he, he's okay with the decision that happened hmm. and then a shadowy figure sits mm. down at the table with walter and slides over uh, an envelope and says, I think you should know more about the man that your fiancé just left you for, and then gets up and leaves. And then Walter opens it up (laughs) and sees all of this. It's a lizard man, Mossad, Jack the Ripper, Mm. and he's like, no, I must save her. That's why he goes and steals the dress, not to spite her, but to keep her from getting married. He knows she won't get married Unless she's in that dress. So he goes and he steals it to stop her, <laughs> to delay it. And and it's this madcap adventure, cross country, you yeah. know, because Tom's got that map. So <laughs> they're going to Duluth, which is in Minnesota or Iowa or Ohio or North Carolina. <laughs> Who knows where Duluth is? And and they're they're sniping each other. There's they're car bombs. Uh Dr. Marsha Fieldstone, who I do actually think is maybe a proto-Roz, but we can get into that some other time. Um, She gets involved somehow because maybe she's in league with Tom, that she was actually putting him out there to find uh, a a victim for him. And so Walter, he finds her and he beats the shit out of her. and, And he's like, I know who you're working for. And he fucking like kills her dog or something i don't know walter go look he gets dark (laughs) yeah (laughs) he gets dark and then the end of the movie he has killed tom hanks Mm. because it's it's a rom-com at heart (laughs) um (laughs) he he kills tom hanks and and it shows uh and and meg ryan has seen the error of her ways she's like what a monster i can't believe i was with him that he held me hostage for weeks Mm -hmm. um and and then it cuts to Walter and Meg's wedding. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. They have their kiss. They're pronounced husband and wife. And they're taking photos. And the camera flashes. And and right after one of those flashes, you see you see her eye flick, and it mm. it goes to the reptilian eye. Oh and yes, 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 yes. Leading to Sleepless in Seattle three, uh, the molting or something. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Holy shit, Sam. I, you know what? With the limited power I have in the film industry, I am 100% going to greenlight this because this is exactly what 2020 needs is a dark, yeah. violent, fast-paced <laughs> reboot of Sleepless in Seattle, 1993's favorite, uh, remade almost 20 years later. 
Oh yeah, it's it's exactly what we need. I hope because Luke, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I essentially just went into a fugue state and I don't remember <laughs> anything I just said. Well, it was all solid gold. Uh, we'll have the treatment ready based on your notes uh, in about two weeks. I'm so excited to start shooting. Fucking this. excellent! Mm-hmm. I I want a good director on this. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we got you. I feel like this this project deserves our full attention here at uh, Patrick Film Studios. Well, thank fuck. You know, I I really trust you to to handle that one well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Luke, let's let's look forward to next week. Sure. Um, and I believe next week we will be watching 1993's Philadelphia. Mm. Have you seen this one? I have actually not seen Philadelphia, which is kind of surprising given that I've seen most of uh, the movies from here out. Um, and uh, what about you, sir? Nope. Mm, not even in German? Mm-mm, nope, not in mm. German, Russian, uh, nothing. Yeah. Well, what do you think is going to happen in Philadelphia? <sighs> I... I really have no fucking clue. Mm. Um, I'll be honest in that I think somehow AIDS is involved. Mm. Seems likely. Which is pretty pretty fucking bleak. But um, <laughs> Tom, maybe maybe Tom Hanks is the the mayor of Philadelphia, mm. and there's a scandal with him having AIDS this is legitimately what I think the movie is about mm. I'm I'm not trying to come up with something jokey I'm sure. literally just trying to think of what Tom Hanks is doing in a movie called Philadelphia that I think is about AIDS right well I mean this is the blind leading the blind so that sounds about as right as anything I know but uh Sam what I'm forecasting instead is that Philadelphia and this is all based on the fact that uh within the last year I did read a several thousand page biography of Benjamin Franklin Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure that this is going to be a period piece in which Tom Hanks plays Benjamin Franklin. Uh, oh. But we are going to leave no stone unturned, and this is quite a salacious, uh, taut, Ooh. sexy okay. look at, uh, yeah, at noted philanderer uh, Benjamin Franklin. We're going to get Benji up in some stuff. You know, honestly, that is the perfect role for Tom Hanks, who we have discovered is not <laughs> America's dad, but America's daddy. Yeah, and I think, you know, Benjamin Franklin is really going to be the role through which he can explore that sexuality to, oh, its, yeah. to its fullest degree. A lot of good French liaisons happening. You think we got nudity in this one? Oh, we got tons of it, dude. More than anyone could possibly want or stand. Because I would love to verify once and for all how big tom's fucking dick is yeah i think this is when we find out exactly how long his kite string is if you if you know what i mean (laughs) fuck yeah well i i can't wait now yeah well uh between now and then folks uh why don't you uh check us out on uh our new instagram uh at hanksy panksy pod uh, you can find us on Twitter at Hanksy Panksy, Facebook, uh, we're just Hanksy Panksy Podcast, uh, and drop us an email at uh, hanksypanksypod at gmail.com. Please hit us with those fucking conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. I'm dying to hear hmm. them at this point. Yeah, especially now that we've blown this thing wide open. Oh, yeah. I need to know what Tom Hanks has done throughout history, and folks, you're the only ones who can provide that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just want to give a shout out to Ryan Boyd for our kick-ass intro music. You can follow them uh, on Twitter at Ryan Droid, D-R-O-Y-D. Hell yeah. Uh, With that, Luke, do you have a final quote for us? (laughs) 
You know, I did. Um, and, and now I don't. I don't. So I guess my quote is just going to be, I'm allergic to bees, which is something that Meg Ryan's cousin, brother, somebody says about 500 times. I'm allergic to yeah. bees. Harold is allergic to bees. Mm-hmm. I'm allergic to bees. Well, folks, you, you heard it here. He's <laughs> allergic to bees. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time with 1993's Philadelphia. Until then, guten tag.